It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends, and welcome to Cadillac On Call, presented by Cadillac Foundation. As we take the air on this November 11th, we begin with a salute to all of the veterans who are in our listening audience this evening. We're so thankful and grateful for your service, and since our program focuses on health, medical, and wellness information, it's fitting on this Veterans Day we spend some of our time focusing on the veterans who work in the healthcare field. Later in our program, we'll connect with a Cadillac Emergency Department nurse who is not only on the front lines of care here in the Tri-Cities, he's also a captain in the Army Reserve and earlier this year spent a few months on the East Coast deployed to help out when COVID-19 pandemic was hitting hospitals there very hard. Also tonight, we'll visit with an ex-Marine who has risen to the job of Chief Nursing Officer at Cadillac Regional Medical Center. But first, we want to go to the latest pandemic in our region, and for that, we go to the phones and Heather Hill, who's the Communicable Disease Program Manager at the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, I watched a briefing yesterday with state public health officials who are raising some pretty serious alarms, quotes such as, this situation is extraordinarily urgent all across the state. And this one really struck with me is, we are in the midst of a viral wildfire, and we are the fuel. That's not overstating things at all, is it? I, I think we need to look very, very closely at exactly what's going on across not only uh, Washington State, but particularly in our community, because we are, we are concerned. Um, we were doing so well. We got our numbers down. After a, a pretty um, busy, busy summer with case rates, we went into September, things were heading the right direction, and unfortunately, you know, just like a wildfire smoldering, things have started picking up again, and, and yeah, we're, we're very, very concerned with the direction of the, the trend is going with our case rates right now. And I've heard the rates of infection term we're seeing surpasses what we saw in July. Can you explain to us what that means? Yeah, what we look at is how many tests are done and how many are positive versus how many are negative. And we're, we're certainly seeing our case rates of positive increasing. And then we also look at that per 100,000 case rate that we've talked about so often on this show. And unfortunately, when we look at that data as well, we are heading in the absolutely wrong direction. And you know, we've had a lot of conversations about what could be leading to it. We know that people are getting tired of the, the social distancing, the mask wearing. We talk about COVID complacency, and we know that that's part of it. But we're also heading into some holiday time, starting with you know, our, our Labor Day weekend, and then we went into Halloween. And after each of these events, we've certainly seen spikes in cases, and that's exactly what we're seeing now. We also are looking very closely at businesses, and, and right now we're not seeing a lot of uh, large outbreaks connected to businesses where employees are passing it to each other. What we're really seeing is that activity that people are involved with in their personal private life. And there were a fair number of gatherings around Halloween that seemed to be um, 
causing our increase in cases uh, as well. So it's almost predictable as we've, it seems like, you know, we go back to Mother's Day worries after that, Father's Day worries after that, Fourth of July, Labor Day, et cetera, Halloween. Now we've got uh, Thanksgiving followed by Christmas. So is that what you're thinking the latest is, is again, this fatigue combined with people just saying, you know, I'm done with this stuff. Yeah, there's there's definitely that aspect to it. We also are very rooted in our traditions, and that's what makes us feel normal and makes us feel like the world is right when we get to do those things that we we always do at, at Halloween or that we always do at Thanksgiving. And 2020 has definitely been a year like none other. And unfortunately, if we want to see this trend change, then we as a community and as a state and as a nation need to start looking at just how seriously do we need to continue with those traditions when we know it's going to put others in our community at risk. Not only are we seeing the case rate increase, but we're also noticing an increase in activity in our our healthcare facilities. And listening to the news across the United States, I certainly hope we don't end up going the way it is in some of the other states where they're running out of room. Luckily, right now, our hospitals are doing well, but our concern is if this case rate continues at the trend it is, then we will be stressing our medical system, and that's that's what we don't want to have happen. I want to spend a little more time in our next segment with you talking about some of the ideas that people should and can consider uh, for Thanksgiving, the Christmas season approaching, on how we can safely navigate those holidays and still try to have some normality to our holiday season. But I, I want to, one more question on on... I guess, our habits. And I remember over the summer, it wasn't until there was a statewide mask mandate. I know Dr. Person had issued a, you know, a directive to wear masks uh, when you're out in, in the public, but it wasn't until there was a statewide mask mandate that that message really sunk into people, it seems. And then we saw the numbers go down, as you touched on. Are we kind of in that? It sounds like to me the way these state messages were delivered yesterday that they're, you know, they don't want to go there. Nobody wants to go back to backwards, but I think it's kind of like, okay, this is, you know, we've got maybe a couple more weeks chance or we may be in that result. You know, I I think you're exactly right, Jim, that we need to look very carefully at the trends and what we can do to to turn it around. We, We need people to be wearing masks. That is the cheapest, easiest, simplest way to stop the spread of this. It's, it's not rocket science, it's not brain surgery, it's, it's wearing a face covering. And that can do so much to change the trends and head the, a different direction. We know that people are doing a good job of wearing masks in public places where they're being observed, such as a store. We, we see really good compliance there. We see good compliance, for the most part, in places of business, employee to employee. But where we know that the exposures are happening because our contact tracers are gaining this information is really in in your personal life where there isn't somebody watching over you to make sure you're doing it. It really is back to that. It's your personal responsibility to take care of yourself and take care of your community. 
And I know that's what makes it hard with these elevated numbers of case rates. You only you only have so many people available to do your tracing, and that's vitally important in helping to bring down the rate of infection. You're you're right, Jim. And our contact tracers started out a little bit slow because our rates were low. But now our contact tracers are really struggling with the sheer number of positives that are coming in per day, and they're working very, very hard. In fact, many of our staff were off today in honor of the holiday, but our contact tracers didn't get the day off. And so they've been working hard today doing the best they can to reach out to people. We're visiting with Heather Hill from the Benton Franklin Health District. And again, no results as far as cases today, so we'll get some numbers probably for two days tomorrow. But we have another segment with Heather. We're going to talk in more detail about how we can all do our best to enjoy the holiday season, but do it safely and not expand the COVID-19 pandemic even worse than we're already seeing. Back with more with Heather Hill in just a minute. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. And welcome back to the program. We're visiting with Heather Hill from the Benton Franklin Health District talking the latest on COVID-19, and we wanted to spend this segment as the holidays approach on what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And and Heather, it's interesting. I just happened to be looking at Twitter, and I see a CBS News post that says, an estimated 56% of Americans are planning to travel for Thanksgiving amid the pandemic. Yet the CDC warns even small household gatherings are an important contributor to the rise in COVID-19 cases. How do we square all that, and how do we get to common ground and but still have a good holiday season? It's a, it's a real challenge this year. And again, nothing about 2020 seems to be easy this time. And as we're heading into the holidays, it's, it's going to be a struggle for some people, and we realize that. But this is the year that you just need to make that decision to do it differently. We know that a lot of people travel, and, and it honestly isn't so much the travel that puts people at risk. It's when they are together. And there are a lot of really good helpful hints, not only on our webpage, but Washington State Department of Health website and the Center for Disease Control website that have just lists of good ideas to do as alternatives probably the most important thing that you need to do is start planning now. We're a few weeks away from Thanksgiving, and now's the time to do everything you can to keep yourself safe and um, lessen the possibility of exposure so that when you do choose to travel to that family gathering, you've done everything now to help prevent catching it and then taking it to that family gathering. So you need to plan ahead and and start the precautions now. And when you actually do plan to go to the gathering, you need to have a conversation. Your family needs to actually talk to each other. What are the rules of engagement? How are we going to conduct ourselves? Our recommendation really is that core five at most and people you actually live with on a daily basis. 
when you start expanding into relatives coming from out of town or even across town, you suddenly increase your risk of getting exposed to something. But if you still choose to do that, then you need to do that event as safe as possible. Think of things like, um, is everybody going to wear a mask? Make sure that rule is known ahead of time. And if people arrive without masks, are you going to be able to comfortably ask them, if you're going to come in my house, I need you to put on a mask? Those are things you need to think about before you're actually in the situation. And then how is the food going to be served? Uh, we recommend if you are going to have that gathering, maybe have one person designated as the food server. Rather than having all of your food on your Thanksgiving dinner table, have it off on a counter away from where people are going to be hovering over it around the dinner table. And then one person who is very meticulous with their hand washing, is keeping that face mask on, is in charge of serving the food for everybody so that we don't have lots of hands touching serving spoons and bowls and passing things around. I think another thing to take seriously when it comes to Thanksgiving is shorter and smaller groups is the best. Yet we know a lot of people gather for the football games that happen. And when you have football games, oftentimes you're passing bowls of chips and popcorn and, and beverages, and those are going to really increase your likelihood of passing something to each other. So you might want to forego the family gathering watching the football game and just keep it to that meal. Have your meal outside, weather permitting. Maybe you start a new tradition where it isn't the the high stress of the big meal and how are we going to keep everybody safe. If the weather is good, maybe you do s'mores outside around your barbecue or, or if you have a fire pit or do something really unique. I think one of the most important things we can do this year is let the kids in our family know it's going to be okay. It's going to be different this year. There's going to be a few challenges. But as long as you keep your message upbeat and let's give some new traditions a try and make sure you're not um, all doom and gloom to the kids, they're going to have a better time of it. It's how we as adults um, message what's going to happen at Thanksgiving and Christmas will really determine how those kids are going to feel about it. So if we come across as this is going to be new, it's going to be exciting, it's just for this year, let's give something new a try, the kids are going to go along with it as long as you come across with a good attitude. Well, and maybe the kids, uh, they're being asked and told to wear masks when they're in the classroom if they're trying to... Re to return to school, then maybe they kind of like, <laughs> kind of like the the different health messages that you 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 teach the kids, and then they right. go home and teach them to the parents. <laughs> right, and we do see the kids; they're pretty amazing when we watch them in town or when we see them at the schools. These little kids have have just taken off with mask wearing, and we see such fun masks, and they. They don't seem to be having a problem with wearing them. They're proudly wearing their masks. And I think that just says a lot about the parents when they're a good example for their child and giving their child those good messages. The kids are going to do it. And it, it's very obvious when we look at what's happening in the schools or as we see kids out and about 
um, these little kids are doing what they need to do. And if we are during this time, if people are going to have, you know, outside the pod size and outside the family uh, household size and things of that nature, all the more reason to wear the masks. In, in, and if you're going to do that, keep the distance and all of those things that we have been hammering for nine months. Right. And plan ahead. Don't wait to the last minute. Um, create your game plan. What are the, going to be the rules for your Thanksgiving gathering? And make sure that everybody coming is on board with those and understands that's just the way it has to be in 2020. Well, and, and as we've touched on a moment ago, and as we've touched on all throughout the last nine months, that when these marker holidays appear, it's almost, the data is, is pretty evident now that a couple of weeks after these these fun social holiday type events happen, we do see increases in these cases. Yeah, you're exactly right. And then our concern, particularly with the winter months coming on and influenza starting to appear in our community, this just could end up uh, going a very, very bad direction. And we have the ability to make sure that that doesn't happen if we do things right and not stress out our medical systems. Well, we have just a minute or two for you left. I, I'd just like to maybe have you tie this all together of our messages tonight. Obviously, uh, it, is, it is a very serious time. It's not like we weren't expecting this, but maybe just kind of re, reiterate what, what people need to do, especially during this time of the year and where we're heading. You know, the, the message couldn't be made even stronger now that masks were working, people were doing it the way it needed to be done, and so we know our community is capable. We've all gotten tired of this, and as we head into the holiday time, it's just so important that we really, once again, come together as, an, as a community, do what we know we need to do to keep us and our families safe, but also keep our neighbors safe, because we don't want to see some of the tragedies that are happening around the United States with increased case rates, increased death, uh, hospitals being over overstressed and not having enough beds to take care of people. But we can make a difference by how we conduct our lives going into the holidays if we make those changes now and we make our plans for how we're going to do it as safe as possible. And if you could take 30 seconds, I know the testing sites were closed today due to the Veterans Day holiday, but there are two sites in town uh, where people can get the, the, the drive-through type testing, correct? Right. We still have the HAPO uh, site open up at the HAPO track facility, and we still have the CBC West facility open. There where the New Horizons High School used to be. And over the last few weeks, we're definitely seeing a record number of people coming into those sites. Turnaround time is still very, very fast, and it is, is, it's free, so you can take your family and get, and get tested. And that's something you might want to consider doing a few days before you gather for the holidays is get your whole family tested. It's just a snapshot in time at that moment. But it might help save you from passing this off to a very vulnerable person during your holiday celebration. 
Heather Hill from the Benton Franklin Health District, thanks again so much for your time. BFHD.wa.gov has great information. All this Thanksgiving uh, safety advice, enjoyment advice as well, not to mention the Department of Health website at doh.wa.gov. Back with the second half of Catholic on Call right after this. Listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. program we're visiting with captain brandon king brandon is a an emergency room nurse at catholic regional medical center he's also a veteran and on this veterans day we have a few minutes with brandon Uh, we're able to visit with him uh, to get his reflections on veterans day Uh, and brandon first of all how are you tonight Uh, thanks for taking the time to be with us oh thanks jim i'm doing pretty good i uh I know every year you guys are pretty faithful to reach out to us, you know, and let us talk a little bit. So I'm grateful to you and grateful to your listeners. Well, first of all, before we get into what you've been doing the last several months related to COVID, just a reflection for you, if you would, on Veterans Day. What does it mean to you on 11-11 each year? I guess to me, I like Veterans Day because um, as opposed you know, to Memorial Day, which is also amazing, Veterans Day is a time to honor the living, you know, those um, who are still with us who have gone and fought. And, um, you know, even though if we haven't, you know, thankfully haven't died, they've paid a heavy price, you know, in, in missed birthdays and anniversaries and missing out, you know, on a lot of things that people take for granted. Um, you know, your veterans, we miss out on these things so that um, the civilians don't have to. And I'm just grateful that we have a country, you know, that does, you know, to a large part, um, loves us and respects us the way you guys do. And I know certainly the past year it's been quite the year for you. Um, you're in the in the Army Reserves, correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct. And so you would normally and you would so you would normally go periodically to to uh, to provide service, right, for your training and whatever, just to stay keep up. For reserves, the obligation typically is one weekend a month, and then usually in the summertime, you do two to three weeks of training, kind of depending on where you're at in your cycle. So that's kind of just a normal obligation. Of course, there's always a chance you can get activated. Um, we never really plan on getting activated domestically, but that was kind of the situation this last year with COVID. So you're good on this radio stuff. It led right into where I was going <laughs> with what happened to you. I know. Tell our, tell our listeners. Uh, what happened to you and where you spent uh, part of April and May? So I got a phone call in late March um, asking for volunteers for what we called a um, Urban Augmentation Medical Task Force. And there was 10 of these that the Army was going to set up. 
and there are teams of about 88 soldiers containing doctors, nurses, um, rad techs, physical therapists, pretty much um, small hospitals. And the original plan was to deploy us to the hot spots in COVID. So initially, there's primarily on the East Coast. I know my team was dispatched to Atlantic City. Obviously, there's several teams that were in New York. Another one was in Philadelphia. And originally, we were going to be working um, in areas that they had set aside and modified the hospitals. Like, for example, Atlantic City, we were going to be working in the convention center. The government had retrofitted that facility to be a 250-bed hospital. Um, the initial outbreak and onslaught in those areas was not as bad as we predicted, so we didn't use a lot of that space that we had in the um, convention center. So they thought it would be better to take those soldiers and actually just put them into the local hospitals to kind of stiffen them, hospitals that were maybe were understaffed and getting over, overrun. So that ended up being the ultimate plan, and it was very effective. So you spent some time, and in in it, just like a, a hospital in the Tri-Cities, but it was back on the East Coast, supporting and working uh, in their different uh, facilities. Um, correct. I was dispatched to um, Salem Medical Center in Salem, New Jersey. So that's where I spent about 45 days at, um, kind of just, like I said, supplementing their staff. And um, even though I'm an ER nurse, I actually worked a whole lot of med there, so I kind of got to get back to some of those things I hadn't done for a while. <laughs> so it was a little bit different, you know, coming for a loop, but it was a good experience. I met a lot of amazing people um, over there on that East Coast. I would like to just maybe conclude tonight. Uh, obviously, you're back working in the ER at Cadillac. Uh, you're taking care of patients, COVID and otherwise. From a nursing frontline perspective, what is your message to people listening? Obviously, uh, you're, we're seeing these numbers all across the country going back up. Uh, from a frontline caregiver who has seen this, what is your message to listeners and on what they should be thinking during this time? I guess my message is earlier on um, when COVID first came out, we had a real drop um, in, in attendance at the ER because people were afraid to get COVID. And the problem with that was people were having issues, you know, like chest pain or neurological issues, and they weren't coming in, and they were getting sicker, and in some cases, um, critically so. So my message is, look, you know what, if you're feeling sick, please come to the ER. We have a whole plan in place that would, if people that have COVID symptoms, we're able to put them in a separate area, so if you don't have those symptoms, we're totally capable of keeping you safe from getting um, any kind of infectious disease. So please do not let the fear um, of getting COVID keep from coming to the ER to getting life-saving treatment. And I guess you would uh, bolster those also to make sure you're, you're following all the masking rules and the proper hygiene because uh, you don't want to end up in the hospital. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and they're, they're very good at teaching us and educating us and then reteaching and retraining all of us on the proper ways to wear, um, operate in, and then dispose of all the PPE. And we're very blessed at our hospital. We have everything we need. We have tons of gowns and masks and um, everything that we need to, to handle this crisis. So once again, please come. We'll keep you safe and we'll do everything that we can to get you well. Captain Brandon King, emergency department nurse. Brandon King, uh, thank you for your service, sir. Thank you for your service at Catholic Regional Medical Center as well. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this Veterans Day. Oh, Jim, it was my pleasure. Thank you guys very much, and God bless. Brandon King, an ER nurse at Catholic and a captain in the Army Reserve. Thanks for his time. We have one more segment. We're going to visit with the chief nursing officer from Catholic in a moment. He's an ex-Marine. Stay with us. 
You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610-KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610-KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to our program. We're going to finish our program tonight on Veterans Day with the Chief Nursing Officer at Catholic Regional Medical Center. He's also a Marine veteran, Kirk Harper. And Kirk, I I think, wasn't the Marine's birthday yesterday, isn't that right? Yes, yes it was. 245. 245 years. Well, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Uh, it's, you probably got to hear a little bit of Brandon King, who was an ER nurse uh, down in the emergency department at Cadillac, and he spent some time back on the East Coast doing some nursing as part of the Army Reserve uh, group that he was with. But tell us a little bit about, I guess, as you reflect as an ex-Marine on this day, first of all. Well, thank you for asking. And, you know, I reflect often on, you know, the impact and the influence being in the Marine Corps, you know, had, what it's had on my life. And then also I kept, take the opportunity to cause reflect on my father's time. He was a corpsman during the Vietnam War, and my grandfather was also in World War II. He was a CB. So really a lot of pride with our family and, you know, our, having the ability to serve our country was uh, very rewarding and, and satisfying and learned an amazing a lot, too, along the way. What's interesting to me during my time of doing this programming and is also working at Catholic is the number of people that work within the healthcare organization that have military backgrounds. Obviously, we have you on tonight and we have Brandon, but but there are a wide array of men and women who uh, got their training, medical training, uh, serving in the military. Yes, you know, and it actually really helps us uh, in our career path and along our journey because, I mean, even, again, adding to that reflection back, it provided me an opportunity to grow, learn. I mean, those training and experiences really help us. I mean, when you sit here and talk about whether it's discipline or ability to adapt and, and overcome, it really helps us even in life as we move on and we are no longer in the service. It really, those are skills that we carry forth. How long were you in the Marines? A little over four years. Got extended due to the Persian Gulf War. And did you have to deploy? Yes, I, I spent some time, quite a few uh, time uh, time overseas. But yes, uh, our, depa- our battalion was uh, dispatched over in the Persian Gulf War, and we spent uh, several months over there uh, as I finished off my my time in the Marine Corps. You mentioned that your military service is a, I guess, a, a legacy in your family, grandfather, your father, yourselves, and is that something that? you kind of felt growing up that you were going to follow that legacy? You know, not necessarily right out of the gate. It was just something we talked about and just having that heritage and those conversations really helped instill in me when I was in that decision, you know, that time of my life when I was making the decision what to do. It did help me along that path. Just again, spending that time with my father and my grandfather and just hearing them and talking to them and then seeing where they ended up in their lives as they had their, you know, the experiences that they had. I would like to, everything it seems like on this program ends up talking about COVID-19 over the last nine months, but I want to get your perspective if you could, and you kind of touched on it, on the fact that uh, when I asked you to be on the program, you said, well, what are you going to ask me? I said, well, how did your military training equip you to lead an organization the size of Catholic through a pandemic. But talk a little bit about what that's been like. 
Absolutely. You know, first and foremost, it's just the discipline, the discipline and planning and that ability to change on the fly. I mean, we have at the very beginning, we were making changes routinely and practically daily, if not within hours of just things we would learn and how we would have to communicate that out to our teams to try to disseminate that information as quickly as possible and in a clear manner. And that was, you know, it was challenging and still is. We learned some things, but it did help having that background. And then just the ability to take those things on and, you know, embracing that and and, and uh, being able to handle it as it came and came to us because you pretty much can handle anything. So it really helped in that manner. Uh, before I let you go, I do want to have you address, I know uh, the numbers of COVID patients that the hospitals are seeing, thankfully, is not what it was back in the summer. But given these increased case rates that we're seeing all across this region, I know the hospital is very full, right? So we, there's not a lot of margin for air right now if we need to put more COVID patients in the hospital. You know, that's correct. It's Our community numbers, uh, as they are increasing, does have a correlation to our hospital admissions. And, you know, we watch that and we're really paying attention. So, and it's the impact and really want to make sure that a friendly reminder, I got to put a plug in for, you know, social distancing, for wearing a mask, for good hand hygiene and being very mindful as we're coming into the holidays, uh, you know, really paying attention to those uh, family gatherings because all those are contributing to what we are seeing and we really want to help curb this. And it's about the workforce. I mean, you and I are talking about the hospital, so I'll spend my time on the healthcare workforce. We really want to make sure that all these things that we're doing to protect our, you know, protect our community really helps protect our healthcare access and our healthcare workers so they are available to help our patients as we are, you know, they come in to receive care. I want you to finish, if you would, on that topic of the staff that I know it's almost like a small army, not to borrow a military term, but um, or a Marine Corps platoon. Um, but but if you would, I know one thing. This has been going on a long time, and I know in talking to friends of mine that work on the front lines, there is they're they're getting tired. So I guess all the more reason for people to really let's let's band together and if, and do it for our loved ones, but also do it for these people that have been on the front line for months. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to echo that again. I, I think, you know, we want our we want the services there. We want our health care providers available when people come in to get the care that they need and the things we can do to help. And as you said, our volumes are up for people that maybe have delayed care and just need to get received care. And we need to keep that capacity and that availability for if patients come in to see us with COVID because the time it takes to care for the patients as we need to you know, it does add to the stress on our, our caregivers, and we want to make sure they're at their best to provide the care for our patients when they come in. Kirk Harper, we can thank you for your service as a ex-Marine. We thank you for your service uh, during the past nine months and the team at Catholic. Please pass along everyone's good wishes to the, all the frontline staff that are there right now taking care of patients, so whether they have COVID or otherwise, and their health care needs are being met. Uh, Thank you for joining us on this special day, Veterans Day, and uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. And we'll talk again next week. Thank you for joining us. This is Catholic on Call. We'll see you again next Wednesday night.